Welcome to the UP Tech Talk podcast, coming to you from the new Academic Multimedia Studio on the University of Portland campus, produced by Academic Technology Services, with your hosts, Maria Erb and Sam Williams. Welcome to the UP Tech Talk podcast. Today we have with us Heidi Senior, who is a reference and instruction librarian with the Clark Library. Thank you, Heidi, for joining us. Thank you. Hi, Heidi. We're just so glad that you're here with us today. So, Heidi, we wanted to talk with you today about copyright. That is such a dense issue and one that we get a lot of questions about. I know that over time, the the use of media in the classroom and what is fair game and what is copyrighted and not has, has changed a great deal. Where can people start with a sort of history, a historical overview, and just so they have an idea off the cuff of what they might be able to use in class. Right. So I think um, I'll, I'll get to the media question, but I think where I would like to start with this is talking about fair use um, because we, uh, in academia, we're all um, introduced to the idea that we are able to use published material, portions of published material for research projects for um, examination in the classroom. And those published works are, uh, we're thinking primarily of um, books and articles where we can use part of those things in our research. And and so fair use is looking at um, how you're using the item. So in the educational environment, you may use items more freely than in a for-profit situation. Um, the nature of the item, so uh, facts are not copyrighted. Fiction has more copyright uh, protection, um, published versus unpublished material. Um, the amount of the portion used, which comes to the you might have faculty, uh, if they've ever put something on reserve, they've heard us ask, how many chapters do you want to use from a book? Because there's there are limits on the amount of material that you can use. Uh, and then the effect of the use upon the potential market. So the uh, use of a chapter from a book might increase the market for that book. It's not affecting it necessarily. A person will be interested in the whole book and purchase it. And library collection of materials generally doesn't affect the market for books. People check out books sometimes to decide if they want to purchase the item. The book industry seems to be um, generally doing okay uh, despite libraries. And uh, and then uh, when you start to talk about media materials, then you have to think about the um, the purpose and character of the use, um, that educational usage of a media item generally means use in the classroom for educational purposes. So if I want to talk about a work of art, a picture or any picture in a classroom, I would be using it in a lecture and having students analyze it. But in a um, more public uh, multimedia presentation, I'm outside of the educational realm. Um, to a certain extent. And also, if you think about the amount and um, of the portion used, 
it's uh, it's hard to use a, a portion of a picture. Um, you really want to use the whole thing, and so there's um, that is definitely a, a factor in why uh, fair use does not cover uh, multimedia materials um, at all. Uh, fair well, it like I said in the educational environment, it's there. It's included there. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the analysis of the work, the piece of music that you're uh, thinking about. I think I think the um, where there are concerns um, about uh, um, deviating from fair use is um, when uh, students students using um, images and music in their um, if it's entirely within the classroom and you can make that happen within the classroom, maybe that would be okay. But typically, we want to put these uh, presentations somewhere in a public environment. And so then you're introducing, you're making a copy of that work and you're introducing it into the public space. And there are more issues involved in using things that way. It, it be, you were adding to the the availability of that mm-hmm. material yeah. in the public sphere. You're increasing the likelihood that someone else will copy that material and use it in their own right. presentation. Everything has changed now that all of a sudden your class presentation that used to just be in front of your classmates mm-hmm. in the in four walls is now in front of the world, basically, mm-hmm. because we're putting everything online. Right. And that's really introducing that element that is brand new to everybody. Right. And if you think about the the world of information, the the way a person would have even learned that an image existed years ago, they would have probably had to go to a library and had to look at books, perhaps, or they would have gone to a photo archive. They would have identified a physical photo that they wanted to use in their presentation. They would have talked to people who would mediate that experience and describe for them the process of putting that item in their publication or film or whatever they were creating. And in that mediation, they would have learned that they would have to pay to um, compensate the the photographer, the um, the archive, the um, the curator, all of the people who are involved in that process of making the material visible. Now, that material is visible immediately through a quick internet search through a you know Google or whatever search engine. You can see hundreds of images at a, a you know glance, and obtain them with the click of a mouse, and there's no mediation. Well, I liked your earlier when we were talking, your, you have a colleague that has a saying, and I think this would be a good time to bring it up. Yes. And what was that again? <laughs> <laughs> that saying is, findable is not usable. Yeah. So in other words, um, so easy to find images, so easy to find music, mm-hmm. and music and images of all sorts. And even within Google, you can supposedly limit your search to images mm-hmm. that are freely available for non-commercial use. But that imi- that search is not perfect. That search is giving you images that are on a page with an image that has mm. a particular license or where 
the license might be available, but not necessarily apply to all of the images on that page. Mm -hmm. So that it's uh, incumbent on everyone to know something about the copyright issues in the modern environment and to understand that we do need to dig deeper and learn what the status is of any particular image or piece of music that we want to use. And really what's helping that uh, movement um, is a lot of the Creative Commons um, initiatives that are, so Creative Commons being an organization, but the Creative Commons licensing that is out there. And um, so, I mean, librarians, you know, we go to the library quite often here um, mm -hmm. at the university to say, hey, we want this video <laughs> to be presented in a class. And, mm -hmm. and the library does an amazing job of helping us, you know, track down and determine what our role is in either compensating or not compensating um, the creator of that content. But now we have people that are creating content and saying, you know, I'm going to let a little bit of it out there. I'm going to license it and say, yes, you can remix it, you can reuse it. You just can't profit from it. You know, and so, you know, at least we have this initiative that's making a little bit easier because right now, as you said, any of us can just get online, search for something, right click on it, download it, use it. And until somebody calls us on it, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of don't, we're so, you know, until somebody calls you on it, you don't feel like there's any you yeah, know, the, police out there right, kind of looking the, at or you. Or that you're doing anything atypical because it seems like everybody goes to Google Images before they come up with their PowerPoint presentation for class, right? And that's where they're pulling all their images, and we, we see these all the time. So. Or everybody right. just goes to Wikipedia, and that's their only source. Yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> and, so, so, I mean, the red flag doesn't go up, you know? And uh, surprisingly, uh, the photo archives I re referred to earlier that are online now, they don't necessarily send you a cease and desist, like a, a warning letter before they submit the bill for the image because oh, you've already already taken the image and put it on your site. They feel like they need to be compensated immediately, and so they'll actually just present a bill oh, as your first interaction with Ooh, that archive. I didn't know that. That's <laughs> So, right. <laughs> <laughs> not happened to me ever. <laughs> well, and this is a good example. I mean, we talked earlier about people becoming or people having to use content from other people, but now with everybody becoming a photographer, yes, um, it seems yeah. like it's a hobby on, under everybody's profile these mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. um, that we all have content that we want to protect. Yes, um, and so at one point the authorship was a smaller group of people. Mm -hmm. And so um, so yes. do you have a little bit about the Creative Commons that you can share with us? Sure, yeah. And that's, um, that's an excellent way to think of it is that we're, we're not only um, users and uh, takers, but we're also creators. And so we, we need to be aware of both sides of the issue. Um, so Creative Commons, you mentioned an organization that... Um, helps people to understand how they want to share their work. And they have um, six different types of licenses with um, icons for each license. You can go to the Creative Commons site and decide how you want to um, share material, but also think about how someone else is sharing material with you and understand what 
the licenses look like, what requirements they contain, and uh, and typically what you'll see is all of them require attribution. That's um, common sense. It means you're identifying the person who produced the item so that they're getting credit. Some of them will require that you put the same license on your item that you've created. So that's called a share alike. So if you've used a particular Creative Commons license and it's share alike, then you would also be expected to apply that same license on whatever you create. They'll have a, a restriction perhaps to non-commercial use. And they might also have a restriction to non-derivative use. In other words, you can't Photoshop that image. You have to use it as it currently is. I would say a lot of photographers would um, be in that in that mm-hmm. boat because people don't like I've been in a situation where I cropped somebody's image once <laughs> and they were not happy about because I destroyed what they had envisioned mm-hmm. that end product being. Yeah. So um, I definitely understand that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I always forget the share alike one um, mm-hmm. that you have to put it on there. And people can go to creativecommons.org slash licenses to see the individual licenses on that page. Could I also say we have several handouts in the library, a page of copyright guidelines that you can locate, um, and also a, a handout, a three-page handout on locating open music and images for multimedia projects. Nice, and that's really handy for people to have. And they can find that by going to library.up.edu. And and we'll have the links in the show notes as well. Yeah, we'll put the links mm-hmm. at the bottom. Um, so is there anything else on the topic of um, copyright fair use that you'd like to share with our audience? I I think one one thing I would definitely want to share is I mentioned Google Images earlier as a, a easy search engine, one that people are familiar with that does require some additional thought in using it and taking images for use in multimedia projects. I also wanted to mention a couple of other uh, resources with which our audience might be familiar that have restrictions as well. Uh, one of those being ArtStore, a uh, library database mm. that um, that it might seem like that content is uh, all um, restricted entirely because it's part of a, a subscription database. But um, but ArtStore does say that they'll they'll allow you to use their content in multimedia projects. However, you do have to ex- restrict access to that project, so you cannot post it in an um, on an open website or on the web. Like YouTube would be out, but Moodle would be okay as long as the project remains there because it's a restricted site. Another another site that people might be wondering about is Library of Congress. Um, mm-hmm. The Library of Congress has an extensive. Uh, archive or extensive website containing thousands of um, of images. They all seem to be readily available. However, um, the Library of Congress is basically viewing that digital collection as uh, an archive curated presentation of materials for uh, historic use, for research usage, 
and not for multimedia purposes. They actually have a statement on their website that they cannot grant or deny permission to use images because uh, they don't own the rights. So again, it's um, incumbent on the users to track down um, the original owner, perhaps, or the um, the uh, entity to whom they need to appeal to um, to obtain licensing. And uh, you also brought up one earlier, and I, I can't remember. It was at Getty. Is that another yeah. one that you Getty were talking about? Talking about yeah. Right. So, um, so Getty Images is a very attractive archive with millions of images, and it is um, is one where they have um, relaxed their restrictions. Uh, they're actually the the archive I was thinking of when I said they don't issue cease and desist letters; they just <laughs> present the bill. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So they had. They had been uh, fiercely defending, preventing use of their images, but with the availability on Google Images, it became impossible, nearly impossible for them to police every use of their images. And so they uh, changed their, their policy to allow the use of images, but you have to use a specific embed code that they make available for each image. And when you use that embed code, it has uh, an advertisement on the page that brings traffic to Getty and also has some code that gathers data on visitors to the site, and they're hoping that they'll gather um, location data or um, whatever else they can gather to um, to help them with um with marketing, or maybe they're going to sell that data and uh, uh, create an income stream that way that they're losing out on with the free use of images. Um, those that embed code. Think about your um, basically HTML code. You can't embed that in a multimedia project. You can't put that in a video. Um, so they're restricting use of images for web page. They're thinking of the uh, bloggers. Uh, and also um, for sharing on social media, not for use in a video. And what are some other um, options? I know that you we've talked about Google. We've talked about some. Now, Flickr is another one that I, I'm just looking at your notes across from me. Mm -hmm. um, but Flickr is one that I was familiar um, familiar with because they're they're a little bit more upfront that they do have Creative Commons um, type images yeah. there, and they make it pretty easy to search for for Creative Commons licensed images. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They do, and our our handout lists an additional uh, five sites for open images in general and two specifically for open medical images, oh, yeah. as well as at least uh, 10 sites for open music. And we'll definitely have that um, document well, as a part yeah, of our show notes that's right, um, for this. To it. And the one that I have to bring up, because it's one that I um, stumbled across um, before I had this great resource, um, I was looking for images to use for instructional purposes here at the university as a part of a flipped classroom. And we came, I came across the Wikimedia Commons. And I'll tell you, that's been one of the ones that I've really enjoyed um, going through the most, because they're really high quality mm -hmm. images as well, and some really high quality um, original documents. So um, whether it's a Photoshop document or an InDesign document, they provide that to you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been one, just from my own experience, um, that I was very happy to stumble across, especially yeah. for medical um, stuff to help the School of Nursing. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to say a word about public domain materials, um, because there are uh, images and music that are in the public domain. Um, however, it's best to remember that uh, just because an item doesn't have a copyright notice does not mean it's in the public domain. Um, anything that's uh, been published is covered by copyright. There's not a requirement to submit a copy to the Library of Congress or to put the little C in a circle symbol on your page. Or it's um, copyright law is uh, very broad and um, and protects all um, all published all expression. Um, also, in terms of recorded music, there are um, varying, um, oh, what's the word? Um, varying interpretations of uh, the history of copyright law and how it uh, originally copyright law did not protect music, and then um, a copyright law that was passed in the 1970s did protect music. And so, if you consider that. Music is was now covered as of 1970, and extrapolate from that in terms of when music might enter the public domain. Um, that date is 2067. Oh, wow. I, I wow. have heard, <laughs> I have heard other dates. I mean, but they're all they're all a uh, few decades in the future, even for um, older material. Um, where our understanding of copyright is, or the public domain, entering the public domain is um, 75 years after the death mm. of the, the author. It's um, not necessarily true for music. Well, there's definitely a lot to understand and know uh, around this yeah, topic. Yeah. And if you have questions, the library um, or any library in your area can help you. Um, you can search online, but we thank you so much for coming over here today just to kind of enlighten our mm-hmm. audience a little bit on the use of copyright and fair use. Great. Thank you. Thanks for coming over. Honey. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the UP Tech Talk podcast. Just a reminder that we post a new podcast every Friday morning, and you can find us at techtalk.up.edu.